Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. With the holidays just around the corner, now is the time to order holiday cards for family and friends. Only this year, why not create custom holiday photo cards quickly, easily, and affordably at simplytoimpress.com. Simplytoimpress.com is your holiday photo card headquarters with thousands of unique Christmas cards and other designs to choose from. All you do is upload your family photos, personalize the text, and you're done. Simplytoimpress.com prints your cards on your choice of premium card stock in just a few days and rushes them straight to your door. Maybe that's why the New York Times wire cutter named Simply to Impress their favorite photo card service. They even offer foil cards and hundreds of great holiday card designs for your business, too. Place your order today to save 30% and get free shipping. Just enter promo code DEAL at checkout. Save big on holiday photo cards today using promo code DEAL at simplytoimpress.com. That's simplytoimpress.com. me to beg your indulgence for one moment. This is the former intellectual savior of the masses, Damien Sandow, now known as Aaron Stevens, and this message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Thank you for reaching out. I uh, had a couple questions, so here we go. Uh, in terms of how much I was involved uh, with the process of creating Mizdow, that was pretty much all Miz and I. Um, I fell down on Raw one night, on purpose, of course, uh, right when Miz did, and we kind of said, oh, let's keep doing it, and then uh, we just kind of were given the ball and we ran with it. So that was very much our creation. That was um, that was our deal. We were given the freedom to do whatever we wanted to, um, so there was a lot of leeway, but we kind of just created, uh, created what it was. Um, I didn't think it would be that over. Um, you know, I mean, everything I do, I try to just do 100%, um, but I was really, really... Um, happy with how it turned out and I think it was just because it was consistent we were on TV consistently and um, you know that's that's kind of really kind of a secret to anything um, yes there were plans for me to win the money in the bank um, you know going past that I wasn't really privy to it but we all know how it ended up but uh, but no going into the money in the bank that was um, we knew what was going on so um, but as we know, things change. So as always, you're welcome. saw the Irishman in Tempe, Tempe, Arizona, at the Alamo Draft House, which I highly recommend for all moviegoers out there. It's basically a film junkie's paradise. They make 
several announcements before the screening that if employees hear one peep out of the viewers that they will kick them out of the theater and that if a phone goes off they'll kick you out of the theater which uh, it almost was like watching a screening at a big premiere a bunch of sophisticated film majors in college and a bunch of film junkies present like I mentioned uh, the popcorn there was also probably the best atomic corn meal I've ever had I'm gonna go back to the Alamo in Tempe tomorrow to watch Ford and Ferrari just because I hear that it's arguably the movie of the year with Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Ford versus Ferrari, Ford v. Ferrari, the official title. Uh, again, arguably the movie of the year in the critics' eyes over uh, Joker and The Irishman. So that's one of the reasons I want to go see it, but I am mainly going back for that fucking popcorn, and I am as big of a health nut as they come. Uh, that popcorn, oh my god. I just got plain popcorn with butter. I think it's called the bottomless popcorn with real fresh melted butter, not processed oil, oiled butter, but at least that's the way they're promoting it. There were 10 different styles of popcorn on the menu. There was vegan popcorn, there was meat lovers popcorn, there was cheese lovers popcorn. I mean, those options sound disgusting to me, but hey, you might, you might like something along those lines. So to conclude the rant about the Alamo, if you have one in your area, go check it out. Great service, great rules, great movies, and great popcorn. So with that being said, let's finally talk The Irishman. Again, I don't want to review this thing from the beginning, middle to end. That would just be exhausting. It was a three and a half hour movie, but I do want to talk a little bit about the backstory of Frank Sheeran because, again, he was a very bad man who played the role of a highly respected, uh, I think it was an American labor union official, while also being an undercover hitman for Russell Buffalino, who, of course, was played by the returning Joe Pesci, Pesci's first film in nearly a decade. Martin Scorsese, of course, working with both Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro uh, on plenty of occasions. I think this is Scorsese and De Niro's 10th movie together. I mean, there was New York, New York in 1977. Uh, There was The Audition, which was kind of a short film with Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Robert De Niro back in 2015. For those of you who haven't seen it, catch it on the tube, YouTube. Because, again, it was like 20 minutes long. There was Casino, of course, in 1995 with De Niro and Pesci. All-time classic movie. The King of Comedy in 1982. Uh, Cape Fear, 91. Mean Streets, 1973. A great film there. Most of these, again, all kind of like crime-related mafia-type movies. Uh, Raging Bull in 1980, a boxing film. Goodfellas, of course, one of the greatest movies of all time in 1990. And then uh, Taxi Driver back in 76 during De Niro's uh, prime, but again, maybe not his prime. He's kind of like Chris Jericho in wrestling. Robert De Niro has aged like fine wine when it comes to acting. And then next year, it's going to be their 11th film together. It's going to be, I forget the name of the the movie. It's going to be Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio in another Scorsese film uh, next year. I don't know if they will release the official date, but it's coming out in 2020. And this new project is going to be about the uh, notorious Osage Indian murders. Uh, It was a string of killings in Oklahoma in the 1920s when around 60 members of uh, the Osage Nation was murdered, apparently to take control of the valuable royalties from uh, oil discoveries on Osage Island. So that's coming out next year with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. 
Killers of the Flower Moon, I think that's what they're going to call it. Again, another another story based on a book that someone wrote many years ago, Killers of the Flower Moon, the Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI, really. So, again, this uh, this film, though, The Irishman, starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. Again, Al Pacino and Martin Scorsese, both in their 70s, mid-70s, I think Pacino's 78 now. This is the first time they've worked together on any sort of film. They've known each other for over 40 years, of course. This is De Niro's 10th film with the guy, his 11th coming next year. Back-to-back films for De Niro and Scorsese in back-to-back years. And this is the first time he's working with Al Pacino. And then, of course, Joe Pecci again. Him and Pecci have worked together in multiple different films. Again, Goodfellas. There was uh, Casino, again, that 95 classic with De Niro and Pesci, filmed by Martin Scorsese. So a lot of good content between those two as well. But in this one, this basically starred Robert De Niro. Of course, Al Pacino and Pesci playing huge roles as well. Of course, Ray Romano and Sebastian Maniscalco playing some decently large roles as well. But this one was basically about Robert De Niro, the Irishman, Frank the Irishman Sheeran. Using about 95% of the movie, using almost every scene, De Niro. So let's get into uh, the beginning of this film with De Niro. Again, his 10th film with Martin Scorsese. You basically feel every one of Robert De Niro's years in this performance, as well as those of, again, Pacino, Joe Pesci, and Harvey uh, Keitel, who are de-aged, you might say, for flashbacks via CGI, computer-generated imagery, as well as a bunch of makeup and hair pieces. You also feel the years in most of the younger supporting cast, uh, including Bobby Cannavale, Catherine Nartucci, uh, Stephanie Kurtzuba, Gary Basaraba, again, I'm reading this off, uh, Stephen Graham, hope I pronounced those names right. They were uh, some of the gang bosses, uh, wives of the gang bosses, and union leaders who, again, aged forward. They had a lot of flashbacks from the 50s all the way up to the 80s. Uh, in Philadelphia. And then you feel them in Martin Scorsese's uh, direction, which is more contemplative than his gangster movie norm. Again, Scorsese, Pecci, and De Niro have have done a ton of gangster movies. This one felt a little bit different at times as meditative as his religious pictures, and which definitely, it, it definitely shifts between eras using dialogue and voiceovers to make the time jump seamless. Uh, again, speaking for all you film directors out there and wannabe film directors, and uh, the opening shot basically starts out through a retirement home locating uh, Frank Sheeran, again, Robert De Niro, sitting alone in a wheelchair. He's in his mid-80s, maybe late 70s at this point, basically disabled as all hell. He's such a rock-like presence that, uh, seen from the back, they pan from the front. He looks as if he could be dead. Then, th- then the camera circled around to reveal his, again, line face cloudy eyes and white hair he looked like a piece of shit Uh, he started to speak and his statements became the film's narration which we saw a lot of in Scorsese's film with uh, DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street the story based on Jordan Belford and his uh, journey through Wall Street although in this film we don't exactly know who De Niro is telling the story to I mean it's to us really but the concluding half hour uh, and Immersion into a now old man's life of Frank Sheeran, fuller than we're used to seeing in any American movie. Again, not directed by Clint Eastwood or anybody like that, but it gave us a bit more uh, framework, you could say. This is a film about the intersection of crime and politics, mafia history, 
Washington history, touching on uh, Castro's rise in Cuba, the CIA. The CIA's attempts to overthrow him, JFK's assassination, John F. Kennedy, and uh, the mob wars in the 1960s and 70s. But it's mostly about age, loss, sin, uh, regret, and how you can feel like a passive object swept along by history, even if you played a role in shaping it. If, if Frank Sheeran's account of his life is to be trusted, and many crime historians warn that it isn't, uh, he was intimately involved in a handful of pivotal moments in American history. And yet we might still come away from the Irishman seeing him as a passive figure or uh, uh, the Zillig or, or Forrest Gump of gangsters because of how he tells the story. Almost as if he's in denial about what it meant and what it uh, says about him, basically. Uh, although, again, he's capable of great violence and we can uh, meet it out on a moment's notice. Frank seems almost, you know, mostly content to sit uh, quietly in the backgrounds of Scorsese's wise guy murals behind louder, more eccentric men, especially Jimmy Hoffa, played uh, with wit and gusto by Al Pacino, of course, in a hoarse voice, shouting and uh, strutting mode. Again, Jimmy Hoffa, 1950s, they say multiple times throughout the film. You can't, you can't not know who Jimmy Hoffa was in the 1950s to the 1970s. And uh, Frank is, of course, muted and reacted for most of the part with Jimmy Hoffa and great at talking his way out of tight spots by pretending not to understand the questions being asked of him. He comes uh, into several defining tasks and jobs simply by virtue of being in the right place at the right time or meeting the right people at the right time. Of course, Jimmy Hoffa, a great man of power throughout this film, as was uh, uh, Buffalino, Russell Buffalino, played by Pesci. Uh, and as Frank, uh, as he describes his uh, march through time and life, he characterizes choices that he made of his own free will, including several murders, as if they were things that just happened to him. They just happened to happen, like there was just some neat little story, like how I always tell the story of A-Rod walking in on me on a porta potty in Phoenix. He, he talks about murders, like they just happened to him. And again, the book... Uh, uh, blanking on the name now. Uh, I hear you paint houses. I hear you paint houses is the line that Jimmy Hoffa says to De Niro's character, Frank Sheeran, when they first have a phone conversation for the first time, the first time they speak to each other. So, I hear you paint houses. Only one shade of color, red, because it's blood, because he just shot them in the forehead, and now there's blood smeared all over the wall. He also says he does carpentry, meaning that he basically rolls up the dead people in a rug and ships them out. So, or puts them in a shredder, which we saw multiple times throughout that movie. So that's why it's called So I Hear You Paint Houses, is the title of the book. And of course, this isn't necessarily a seamless movie. Uh, admirable as it is to see uh, Martin Scorsese committing to self-contained scenes that often look like deadpan comedy sketches. The, the many digressions, marvelous as they are, come at the expense of, again, flushing out the canvas. And even at three and a half hours, certain aspects felt unnourished. Uh, major supporting players like, again, Cattell, uh, he was the Philadelphia crime boss, Angelo Bruno, again, Harvey Cattell. 
uh, Canaville, who played Felix Skinny Razor Tatulio, and of course Ray Romano. Like I said, he was uh, the Teamster lawyer, lawyer part of the Buffalino family, Bill Buffalino, who's uh, at the end of the movie, his daughter's wedding basically provided a pretext for Frank Sheeran to take a car trip that literalizes the idea of life as a journey. Again, the wedding of Bill Buffalino's daughter coming right after the scene where, of course, again, spoilers. If you don't want any spoilers, don't listen. But again, if you do, I appreciate the listen. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa's death, uh, uh, Frank Sheeran ends up killing his his good friend in this film, Jimmy Hoffa, at the very end, kind of turns his back on him, really had no choice. Because Russell Buffalino, again, a good friend of Frank, tells him that he has to do it because basically they got to cut ties with him. He's being difficult to work with, and they're going to cut ties with him. And like I said at the beginning, Frank Sheeran is not a hero. Like all these, all these characters in the movie, Pesci, Pacino, Ray Romano, Maniscalco, De Niro, they're all bad guys. Like, you, like at times you're like, oh, man, he's got to make this decision between really two good friends. They're murderers. They're gangsters. They're part of the mafia. They are bad people. No bueno. Um, But it's not always easy to understand that. It's not always easy to understand who they are as people or what role they're playing in the narrative besides sharing space again with the leads, uh, Pecci, who hasn't acted on screen since uh, 2010 in Love Ranch. I think it was directed by Taylor Hackford. Uh, He makes a much stronger impression as Frank's mentor, Russell Buffalino, boss of, uh, I think it was the northeastern Pennsylvania-based Buffalino crime family. He's as quiet and controlled as Goodfellas and Casino characters were. I mean, they were obnoxious and volatile uh, in Goodfellas and Casino. He was as quiet and as controlled in this movie. Totally different character. He told Scorsese he didn't want to do it. He was retired nine years. After this movie, he says he was never retired. He just never found work. So that's how he felt about this role playing uh, Buffalino at the end. And the overwhelming maleness of the story probably also going to hurt the Irishman in the long run, especially in the 2019-2020 era. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that it's all narrated by Frank, by Robert De Niro, and he isn't uh, interested in much outside of his work. He has a family, four daughters, I think, three daughters. I really wasn't keeping count. And uh, Russell's wife, Pecci's wife in the movie, uh, Nartucci, who was, uh, I think her name was Carrie, uh, Carrie being uh, Russell's wife, had some brilliant moments early on in the film, mainly in uh, the car trip flashbacks. Uh, passive-aggressively hassling her husband to make Frank the driver. Again, they were going up to the wedding, uh, Ray Romano's daughter's wedding, the four of them. They were taking a cross trip from Philadelphia to Detroit, asked uh, Russell if they could pull over so that she could smoke her cigarettes, Uh, but she uh, becomes a non-presence after that. And uh, Frank's wife, Mary, played by Kurt Kurt Zuba, and uh, Anna Paquin, she was the uh, grown-up version of his daughter, Peggy, who saw a lot of screen time in this one. She also saw a lot of things she shouldn't have as a little kid, basically knowing that her dad was part of the mob very early on. Uh, those scenes are largely mute, uh, at times nearly ghostly presences for all the women in this film. Uh, there's nothing uh, innately unacceptable about stories focusing mainly on men or women, as in the current Hustlers. But at the same time, I don't think it's a coincidence that Scorsese's two great 
mafia pictures, Goodfellas, and Casino carve out substantial space for wives, girlfriends, mothers, daughters, or anything of that nature, etc. And uh, feature undeniable lead performances by actresses, respectively uh, Lorraine Bracco in Goodfellas and Sharon Stone in Casino, uh, that energize and transform the material, exploding the heroes' lives like the bombs that rose so many vintage cars in The Irishman. As for the de-aging technology, again, uh, CGI, it's not quite there yet. I don't think it's been there yet in any movie, though your mileage will vary. We've seen it in Gemini, if you haven't seen that, with Will Smith. Basically, it's Will Smith at 50 and his co-star Will Smith at 25. Again, CGI, not quite there yet. But if the results are something distracting in The Irishman, they're no more distracting than, say, Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro playing 20-something-year-old versions of themselves in Goodfellas. Scorsese never gets too hung up on that kind of thing anyway. So here, as long as his other epics, it's, it's just to roll with it, basically. Uh, that being said... Those who worry that Martin Scorsese was dipping into Sunday gravy one too many times will, of course, be reassured by the the tonal originality of what's been achieved here, more so than any Martin Scorsese crime picture ever. And that and and this is saying a lot. Usually um, described as such, and De Niro as one of the great scene-stealing straight men in this play. His byplay with Pacino, Pesci, Harvey. Cattell and the rest of the cast is masterfully acted and edited by uh, Thelma Schoonmaker, who edited this film. Uh, much of it is a gangland, uh, quote-unquote, who's on first routine, or the Joey Scala, Joey Claims exchange between Cattell and De Niro in Mean Streets. Uh, the script is filled to bursting with quotable lines, and every few minutes you get a marvelous bit of a character-based comedy acting, such as Frank's blank-faced concentration as he plots their long uh, car trip on a map with a red Sharpie marker, which I thought was very old school, or uh, uh, mad-eyed Jimmy Hoffa, again played by Al Pacino, glaring at uh, his enemy during a Union Wars banquet while slicing into a bloody red steak. Again, he uh, had a big rivalry in this movie, Jimmy Hoffa, who he called uh, Shorty. That's what he called his rival. Another big, uh, uh, powerful And to veer off the road here for just one second, I think it was one of the most baffling mysteries over the past 40 years in the eyes of people again back then uh, was the shocking disappearance of the union boss Jimmy Hoffa. Again, he was portrayed by Al Pacino in the movie, killed by De Niro's character uh, Frank Sheeran, and Frank Sheeran in real life admitted to the murder. He didn't admit to it in the movie. Frank Sheeran didn't give a, a trace or a hint of the murders uh, that that he had on his name, on his record, to the police. He did spend, I think they said, four to six years in prison, him, Pesci, all of them. They were all in jail at one point, but he never admitted to the murders in the movie. But in real life, he admitted to the murder of Jimmy Hoffa, although no one really believed him. Uh, But Jimmy Hoffa disappeared uh, for 40 years. Nobody could find the body. Uh, In the movie, he leaves him in his home in Detroit. After murdering him, he puts the the, the pistol on his back. 
So it's, we would assume that he would be found in Detroit, Michigan, like he did in the movie. Uh, but the mystery was solved in 2015. The, they finally found Jimmy Hoffa's body. I don't even know how, 40-plus years. Uh, but after vanishing in 1975, Jimmy Hoffa was finally found buried in a garbage dump, sealed in a barrel, in uh, all places, nonetheless, of New Jersey. Uh, it was a bombshell. A national uh, uh, investigation. It revealed that a Teamsters kingpin was murdered on the orders of Senator Ted Kennedy, of all people. So again, Jimmy Hoffa, John F. Kennedy did not see eye to eye in this movie. Although nobody really played JFK in the movie, it was more of just all along the lines of Jimmy Hoffa. Just didn't like him as a guy, I guess. And uh, the monumental discovery of Jimmy Hoffa's body was uh, hushed up by the Justice Department, but a crack team of G-men unearthed a 55-gallon drum containing Hoffa's remains in a New Jersey dump shortly before Thanksgiving back in 2015. And uh, that's what the confidential law enforcement sources revealed. And there were many who believed, after watching The Irishman, that the film's portrayal of Jimmy Hoffa's death is very controversial because nobody actually knows what happened to the guy. I mean, Frank Sheeran apparently admitted to it uh, right before he died in 2003, but he doesn't admit it in the film portrayed by Robert De Niro, and nobody really uh, finds Jimmy Hoffa. Again, nobody really found his body. I guess they found his remains again in New Jersey in 2015, but even that's kind of unconfirmed. Uh, so a lot of people thought why, that the, the film's portrayal of Jimmy Hoffa's death was very controversial. And we'll dig deeper into the death of Jimmy Hoffa. As great of a movie as The Irishman was, earning spectacular views, um, of course, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. There's a lot of controversy saying that Jimmy uh, Hoffa's death in this movie, The Irishman, was very controversial. So the big question here is, does a three-hour-plus saga offer a credible explanation for what happened to Jimmy Hoffa, who, again, his disappearance in 1975 remains, in the eyes of many, remains to be one of America's greatest unsolved mysteries. So... Uh, FBI agents and investigative journalists have spent decades among decades, again, 40-plus years, trying to unlock the secrets of what happened to Jimmy Hoffa, James Riddle Hoffa, the former labor union president who's, who was last seen in the parking lot of, again, you, you see it in the movie, uh, of a parking lot of the now-defunct uh, Moshe's Red Fox restaurant in Bloomfield Township, Michigan, where they were. Again, they are going to the wedding of Ray Romano's daughter uh, in Detroit. So they mapped out an entire trip, as you see throughout the film, of course. De Niro's back in his wheelchair to start the film narrating the thing. But then they also show many flashbacks of the four uh, driving, De Niro, Pesci, and their wives driving from Philadelphia to Detroit for the wedding, and uh, halfway through there in somewhere in Ohio, I really don't know where they were, they were still a good four or five hours outside Detroit, where Pesci's just like, you're flying to Detroit right here, right now, while we wait here, you're going to kill Jimmy Hoffa, but again, did he kill Jimmy Hoffa? He admitted to it, he admitted to killing the 25 to 30 people, but they were all unconfirmed, again, started out throughout his time in the army, made a lot of uh, uh, illegal uh, legal decisions while he was in the army uh, ends up killing Jimmy Hoffa according to himself uh, but Hoffa of course the subject of several books 
Uh, even a, a biopic, 1992's Hoffa, starring Jack Nicholson. Many TV miniseries, including 1983's Blood Feud with Robert Blake. His name is still used as a pop culture punchline for uh, a ton a ton of things without a trace, really. And just, I think it was last week on uh, The Late Show on CBS with uh, Stephen Colbert. dropped a, He dropped a Hoffa reference in his monologue on the Trump impeachment inquiry. Again, Donald Trump being impeached. Uh, probably won't amount to anything, but we'll see. There's not much disagreement, though, about why Hoffa was targeted. Uh, the consensus is that the mob conspired to kill Hoffa to stop his efforts to return to power with the Teamsters. Again, it was his his union. He wasn't going to give up. He wasn't going to go off. He wasn't going to back down from the mob, and uh, it turned out to cost him everything. And the details of the day... Uh, the, the, the day he went missing also seemed very clear. And according to what Hoffa's family told authorities, he was waiting for a 2 p.m. meeting, again, with Shorty Anthony uh, Provenzano, uh, who he was supposed to clear the air with. He was supposed to be, uh, it was supposed to be a fence-mending occasion between Hoffa and Provenzano, who, who'd been falling out over the past recent months, years. They were both in prison. They fought in prison. Uh, I think the big line was, you people, referring to uh, the Jewish, which he was. Uh, but Hoffa ended up calling his wife at 2.15, according to the authorities in Bloomsfield Township, Michigan, to tell her that nobody showed up, and Provenzano did show them up uh, in, the, in the movie at 2 o'clock, and that's when uh, De Niro and company, and even Hoffa's son, went to go pick him up uh, to, to, to murder him, basically at the end of the day, and the rest is history after he uh, got picked up. Well, they don't know that he got picked up. The last time in real life when they saw James Hoffa was when he called his wife saying that they showed him up at 2.15. The rest is history after that. Or rather, it's a complicated, inconclusive bunch of bullshit theories with a lengthy cast of notorious characters that remains, as the Detroit Free Press described it days after the disappearance, and I quote, a rat's nest of rumors and speculation. So, some theories are formed from facts, incredible clues. Others are the stuff of myth-making, like the dubious claim that Hoffa was buried under the now-demolished Giants Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And for the uninitiated sorting out of the numerous competing versions of Hoffa's fate is likely falling down a rabbit hole of possible answers. So, with that being said... The death of Jimmy Hoffa remains to be unanswered. We still don't have any proof who did it, even though Frank Sheeran admitted to it, so you got to believe that he did do it. That's why they casted him to kill him in the movie. But at the end of the day, there's no proof that he did it. There's no proof that anybody did it. There's no proof of where they found his body, even though there were uh, claims that he was found in New Jersey in a dumpster. Who knows? The unsolved death of Jimmy Hoffa remains to be seen. I Heard You Paint Houses is the book, a number one true crime bestseller in New York. Uh, again, written by Charles Brandt. The first words of the movie, again, by Jimmy Hoffa that ever spoke to Frank Sheeran. The Irishman, Frank Sheeran, were, I heard you paint houses. And, of course, to paint a house is to kill a man. The, the paint is the blood that splatters on the walls and the floors. In, in the course of nearly five years of recorded interviews, Frank Sheeran confessed to Charles Brandt that he had handled more than 25 hits for the mob and for his friend Jimmy Hoffa. 
Sheeran learned uh, to kill in the U.S. Army, of course, like I explained, where he saw an astonishing, an astonishing 411 days of active combat duty in Italy during World War II. And after returning home, he became a hustler and a hitman working for a legendary crime boss, again, Joe Pesci's Russell Buffalino. Uh, eventually, he would rise to a position of such prominence that uh, in uh, Rico's suit then, U.S. Attorney uh, Rudy Giuliani, again became the, ma the mayor of New York City, would name him as one of only two non-Italians on a list of 26 top mob figures. Uh, when Buffalino ordered Sheeran to kill Jimmy Hoffa, he did the deed, knowing that if he had refused, he would have been killed himself, probably, even though they were such great friends. And Sheeran's important and fascinating story includes new information on other famous murders, including the JFK assassination, and provides rare insight to a chapter in American history. Uh, Charles Brandt has written uh, a page-turner that is destined to become a true uh, crime classic, and speaking of the uh, confession that Frank gave to Brent, Brent wasn't available for an interview at the time of the release of the book, but he asked his publisher to provide uh, the free press with this comment, and I quote from Brent, I spent five years interrogating Frank Sheeran, using my experience and knowledge to ensure that only the truth made it into my book. The weighing of evidence is a complex undertaking that does not lend itself to short format pieces such as articles and interviews. I ask kindly that people read my book. It speaks for itself. And Martin Scorsese, for his part, is being very careful to point out that the movie is a separate creature from Brandt's book. Uh, I think it was at an event at the Directors Guild of America Theater in New York. Scorsese talked to Spike Lee, of all people, about how the real importance of Frank Sheeran's cinematic journey wasn't alleged conspiracies. And I quote, this is what Scorsese said, the story is about people living a life, a tough life, love, trust, betrayal, remorse, and regret. And at uh, the New York Film Festival news conference, Scorsese said, and I quote, this is not Frank Sheeran in the film, it's some character we all created. And uh, De Niro has defended the account in uh, I Heard You Paint Houses while agreeing with Scorsese's comments. Uh, he told IndieWire, and I quote, as Marty says, we're not saying we're telling the actual story, we're telling our story. And I believed it. The way Frank Sheeran describes what happened to Jimmy Hoffa is a very plausible thing to me. I'd love to hear what actually happened to him, but this made a lot of sense to me. And, of course, experts are going to doubt the theory in The Irishman. Uh, uh, Dan Moldy, author of the 1978 book The Hoffa Wars, uh, has been researching Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance for, again, more than 40 years. This has been going on with Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance. Uh, he spoke to Robert De Niro in 2014 and warned him about his doubts about Frank Sheeran. Again, back in, I think it was 2010, this was proposed to De Niro and Al Pacino. This movie was 10 years in the making, and they finally got it done. De Niro, 76, Pacino, 78, uh, Scorsese in his 70s as well. It was now or never for, three, for these three guys, so it was pretty incredible how they were able, able to pull it off after 10 years. Um, and again, uh, Moldy uh, spoke to De Niro in 2014 and warned him of his doubts about Frank Sheeran. Uh, he said, and I quote, I told him in no uncertain terms, Bob, you are going to be coned. That's how he described it to the Daily Beast. 
Uh, he gave the film an enthusiastic five stars at the end of the day as a stunning piece of cinema. And I quote, this is what Moldy said, I didn't think it was gonna, gonna, I was going to like it as much as I did. And uh, as for the storyline, though, Moldy calls it a fantasy filled with false facts. He said, and I quote, for me, this is Martin Scorsese's homage to Oliver Stone's JFK. It's a great, it's great filmmaking, but bad history. Uh, his reporting has led him to believe that Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance was essentially a New Jersey operation from soup to nuts. That's how he described it. And I quote from soup to nuts. And he noted that uh, he's interviewed all the suspected killers in his search for uh, de uh, definitive information. And I quote, this was moldy again. I am Ahab and the Hoffa case is my white whale. So he's well aware of the passage of time. He also said, and I quote, right now it's the sons of the people who were involved who have now gotten old and now are confessing to the sins of their fathers, which he doesn't think is, again, true history, he thinks it's false facts. And although he doesn't like the fact that Frank Sheeran's version of events will widely spread by the Irishman to younger generations who may not even be familiar with Jimmy Hoffa again, you could not know who Jimmy Hoffa was apparently back then. I've never heard of him before this movie. But he hopes it will encourage more scrutiny of the real-life case. And another quote from Moldy saying, What I like is the movie is now putting Jimmy Hoffa back in public's radar screen, and that means the work I've been doing for 44 years on his murder is now getting a further examination. Which, yeah... 44 years after examining this guy when people don't even know who, who he is in the 21st generation, I'd be happy too. And another reporter out there, Detroit-based uh, mob expert and investigative reporter Scott Bernstein said, uh, the Irishman is nothing short of a historical blasphemy. Uh, he hadn't seen the movie before being interviewed. He said they're promoting a historical falsehood. Uh, his work can be found at the Oakland Press and Online Gangster Report. Says it's a 99.9% certain that Jimmy Hoffa's remains will never be found. Uh, as for the reasons behind Hoffa's unsolved mystery, he credits that to both the lack of a body and the ultimate smooth criminals of Detroit's organized crime, which he thinks had the, the key role in what happened. Uh, and I quote his quote, through the history of the American mafia, nobody has mastered the art of the gangland murder more than the, the Detroit mafia. They cracked it. They've made it a science. And as you see in the movie, Frank Sheeran, and whether this happened or not, he basically goes in, no masks, no nothing. It's just him, Frank Sheeran, whoever knows him, knows him. He's murdering all these people, and he's getting away with it completely. I know back in the day, you couldn't uh, look, look up his name on the internet or anything, so it was a lot harder to crack, crack down these things. But at the same time, how is he not caught? I mean, he's not wearing anything. He's just going in, he's doing the deed, and he's leaving. Nobody says anything except, uh, I mean, I guess Peggy knew, but that's his, that's his daughter. What's she going to do? Like, it, it's proven this guy has a cold heart. He, what is he going to do? He's going to kill his daughter if, if she turns him in? Uh, the debate, though, over the Irishman could last through the Oscars, given early predictions that it will be Probably a strong candidate, a strong awards contender to go up against Joker and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
That, of course, doesn't guarantee there will be the end to the Jimmy Hoffa mystery by the time the golden statues are passed out, or ever for that matter. Um, and Bernstein again says, I do not have a lot of faith that we will come to a definitive answer anytime in the near future. I think we know what we know. We have 95% of the puzzle. I just don't think the final 5% will probably ever be told. And if the Irishman needs another slogan for its posters, Bernstein has a perfect one. He calls the Jimmy Hoffa saga the story that never dies. And that's, that's pretty accurate because... He may have died, but his story may never die considering that his body has never been found. So with that being said, that's just about going to wrap up this edition of the O Show. Again, the Irishman Review Podcast. I didn't want to give away too many spoilers in this. wanted to just paint a picture for you. Frank, the Irishman Shearing, and the closing case on Jimmy Hoffa. Again, 40 years plus. Nobody really knows what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Again, I shared this podcast what uh, one article showed that his body was found in a dumpster in uh, South Jersey, but nobody really knows, nobody can really confirm whatever happened to Jimmy Hoffa, who killed him. Frank the Irishman Sheeran admitted to Charles Brandt, Charles Brandt, the author of I Heard You Paint Houses, uh, basically describing the life of Frank the Irishman Sheeran in the closing case of Jimmy Hoffa. He told him that he killed nearly 30 people. Uh, throughout his uh, entirety in combat, in combat in the world during World War II, his own men, which is again a violation. He, he killed many people in his mob years, working for Russell Buffalino, who was portrayed by Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, first time acting in nearly nine years, again played a big part in those Home Alone movies. Unfortunately, for a guy of his stature, he was also in Goodfellas and the the Casino, two great. Martin Scorsese films with Robert De Niro. First time in nine years, wasn't too shabby. Joe Pesci, probably one of the best acting performances of his entire career at age 75. That could be wrong. He's in his mid-70s too. They're all in their 70s. It was either now or never for these guys. Pesci, Pacino, De Niro, Scorsese. Again, basically nothing but Italians in this movie. Ray Romano, uh, comedian Sebastian Maniscalco, played Crazy Joe Gallo in this movie. Great character, great acting from Maniscalco and Ray Romano, both great in this movie, portraying the lives of Frank the Irishman Sheeran and Jimmy Hoffa. Jim Norton, another comedian, also in this movie, plays Don Rickles. Of course, Don Rickles dying two years ago, back in 2017. Probably would have played himself if he was still alive. Uh, I wonder how the CGI would have looked on Don Rickles. Oh, my God. But definitely, if Don Rickles was still alive, he'd have been like, what the fuck, Marty? I'd like, you're going to play me in a movie? You may as well be me. But he, unfortunately, passed away two years ago. One of the funniest guys ever, Don Rickles. Played by Jim Norton, who's, again, one of the fun, more funnier comedians out there. You can catch him on his uh, podcast and radio show with Sam Roberts on the wrestling show uh, with Sam Roberts. Uh, a lot of comedians, a lot of great acting in this movie. Probably one of Scorsese's best. Again, it's going to be up for many Oscars. Uh, movie of the Year, again, alongside The Joker. Tremendous film with, of course, Joaquin Phoenix. And then, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood got mixed reviews, but, you know, when it's a Hollywood movie based in Hollywood, about Hollywood, with your two biggest stars in the business, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, you know it's going to get some awards. But The Irishman, again, the story of Frank The Irishman, Sheeran, 
uh, and closing the case on Jimmy Hoffa. Again, I really wanted to dig, dig deep into the history of Jimmy Hoffa and his mystery. Again, Frank the Irishman Sharon kills him in the movie. He admitted to killing him in real life. Did he, though? Do we really know what happened to Jimmy Hoffa? Will it ever ever be discovered. Uh, again, I quoted some of those two crime investigators and journalists towards the end of this show. They they say it may never happen. It's the story that never dies with Jimmy Hoffa. It almost died in this 21st generation, but now that this movie comes out, everybody's wondering again what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Again, check out the book, I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt. Again, to paint a house is to kill a man. The paint is the blood that splatters on the walls and the floors the irishman out now it's been out for three weeks again just like Zombieland, it's been out for a while so i wanted to do this review quick before it got stale and if you're going to go see the irishman now before it is released it is released on netflix on friday so i guess you, all you got to do is look it up on your couch starting friday but if you want to see it in theaters and i encourage you to see it on the big screen the big screening in theaters go check it out at your local alamo draft house tremendous tremendous fucking popcorn best popcorn i've ever had in my life uh the alamo i don't know where they're, they're in tempe they're in chandler arizona you're gonna have to look it up at the alamo draft house go see your next movie if you're a film junkie it's the place to be so this episode of the o show of course presented by belly up sports be bold stand out remember to follow belly up sports on both instagram and twitter the twitter at belly up sports and at belly up podcast network we're also sponsored by tick pick remember if you're getting tickets get that ten dollars off using the promo code o show 10 that's capital o s h o w 10 for ten dollars off your next order at tickpick.com and if you're into banging weights eating steaks and sleeping eights i think we all are o show 20 for twenty dollars off that's capital o s h o w 20 for twenty dollars off your next order at mecca nutrition store.com I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Tick pick. Look. Oh, whoa, 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 dude. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.